0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of The Standard is The Standard. That's the the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com flagship podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and joining me as always, Lance Williams, or as Brian Anthony Davis now calls him, Sir Lance-a-lot. Lance,
1: what's going on? How are you? What's happening, everybody? You can call me hashtag Nice Curtains. (laughs) <laughs> or hashtag Richard Gummies for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's Gummy Richards. It's I don't Gummy. know. I,
3: I think Richard Gummies makes more sense when you actually it, break it down, doesn't it?
1: Yes, but Gummy Richards <laughs> sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man that that guy. Uh, j- not to go into it much, but I'm just going to send my prayers out to uh, you know Mr. Third and Fifth, regardless of him blocking us on Twitter, you know, he still is a dad, has kids. Hopefully he can right the ship for his family uh, because it seems as if he's spiraling out of control. And as, as much as we, we mess with that guy, I, I don't want to see um, him be harmed in any way or, you know, him meet an untimely end, but it, it feels as if he's spiraling dangerously out of control in his personal life.
3: Yeah. That's the best thing you can say is that it's for those that are parents, for those that yeah saw some of the video footage, it's, it's bad. Now I do have a quick story to share with you, Lance. And it kind of is a question at the same time. I was telling my wife the other day that I had never had a moment where someone recognized me from behind the steel curtain, like ah, never,
1: interesting. you know,
3: now Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield have both have had those moments. And so um, I was coaching my son's Special Olympics basketball team the other day, and there was someone that was there watching, uh, their child. And he comes up to me and he says, Hey, are you, uh, what's your name? And I said, uh, you can call me Jeff. And he said, Hartman. I said, yeah. He said, oh my gosh, I watch you on YouTube all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, here it is. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty cool. I, I, want everyone, I, I want anyone to know that if you're in Western Maryland or if you're in Maryland, you ever see me, come up and say hello. Uh, I would love to talk to you. He talked to me at length about the Steelers and about the website. His brother listens and all this stuff. Have you ever had that happen to you out in California? Has anyone ever recognized you from the show?
1: No, I haven't had that happen, but I've had somebody approach my aunt, strangely <laughs> enough. And um, he was like, uh, "Do you know Lance?" And she was like, "That's my <laughs> nephew." And it was weird. Um, but <laughs> I am going to say, I, I'm going to say this: if you see me in California, approach slowly. I'm a little more paranoid than Jeff. You know, I might slap you first, and then we can talk about the Steelers. So, you know, Jeff's a lot nicer than me. So, be a little. You know, I might, you know, get you with the two piece and a biscuit first, and then we can talk Steelers. But you'll understand once we vibe as, as members of the black and gold and Steeler fans. You slap first, ask questions later. No, We'll probably <laughs> I wanted to say slap first because it's YouTube and, you know, this is screen for the kids. But, yep. you know, I'm giving the code name. You know, if you if you know what I'm talking about when I say two piece and a biscuit. So, I mean, you know, I mean, people know what that is. <laughs>
3: All right. So I I just had that first experience. Wanted to share that with everyone. Look, the title of our episode today is one that kind of piggybacks off of Lance's. Yeah, I said it show last Friday. Now, if you have not, I know Dave talked about this on his stat geek last night with big bro, big brother, Richard, rich. Big brosco. Big brosco, that's right. Um, he plugged Lance's show. I'm going to do the same. When he had uh, Ian Weston of SteelCityInsider.com Steel on his show, if you have ever wanted to look at or hear about and know more and understand more about the NFL salary cap, that is your show to listen to. Really good stuff. There's a lot of questions that are going to be – they're, they're going to need to be answered by the Steelers this offseason. And in my, when I did the Steelers burning question two weeks ago, I talked about team needs and I boiled it down between like probably six positions. And when it came down to it, I actually said that I thought that the tight end position was the biggest team need for the Steelers entering the 2020 off season. And so not because of that, but because of a lot of different things, our title of the episode and where we're going to start tonight is what are the Steelers going to do? at the tight end position heading into 2020. So let's break down what they're looking at right now. They have a club option on Vance McDonald, which costs Lance, correct me if I'm wrong, roughly five or so million dollars.
1: Yeah. Well, he accounts for, if I can, you know, looking up here and uh, I apologize for obviously using a Mike Thomas. and being prepared when it comes to, uh my cap stuff i'll give you the cap numbers when it comes i don't know what the club option is but in terms of i think
3: it's between five and six million dollars we'll just we'll leave it at that right
1: right he counts he counts seven he counts seven million right now okay uh, towards the cap and if they were to waive him they would get 5.6 million dollars in cap savings.
3: okay nick vanette the backup tight end i most would assume that they traded to the CF from the Seattle Seahawks this past season, he becomes an un- unrestricted free agent. So they have the option of bringing him back, but he's not guaranteed to be back in 2020. That leaves them with Zach Gentry as the only other tight end on the roster that has any type of NFL experience. And that is limited. I think he only had one reception the entire season. So, Lance, right off the bat, what do you think the Steelers are going to be doing? in in terms of the tight end position this offseason
1: well a lot of it has to do if you guys listen to the show with Ian a lot of it has to do with what they're going to do of course with Alvin Budd now Stud Dupree and you know based on what they do with him then I think um, Vance McDonald will be back if they choose to let Bud walk. I think you see Vance McDonald back. If they choose to tag uh, Bud Dupree, I think you will find uh, that they will waive Vance McDonald. I don't even think they'll re-sign Vinette. I think they will go out and um, try to draft a tight end and or get one in free agency, um, one with the similar skill set of Vinette. Um, so right now, You know, in retrospect, you talked about, you know, the tight end position being the weakest position on the roster. And I thought it was the running back. I disagreed a little bit and said it was the running back position. But, man, when you look at what they're left with, the cupboard is definitely bare at that position. And I would agree with you in retrospect that the tight end position is the weakest position. But like most things that are going to occur with the Pittsburgh Steelers from a roster perspective, a lot of it is going to hinge on, what they do with Alvin quote unquote stud Dupree.
3: And we're going to get to him next. I want to spend a, a little time talking about that, but before we get there, let me ask you this question. And it's a simple question. The answer might not be as simple. What is it when you think about your ideal offense, ideal offense, how do you view the tight end position in this Steelers offense? Now I know that Randy Feedner had a rough 2019 Randy land, as I call it, where, No fun happens. Um, What exactly, when you think about the tight end position, what would you love to see from the position? Because that can dictate what they do in free agency. Does that make sense?
1: I know. I see see where you're going. I like like Vance McDonald. I mean, when Vance is healthy, I mean, that's an issue that's going to come up, you know, with the evaluation. That was one thing in talking to, to Ian that really came up with, when you're talking about free agency and you're talking about signing guys, Largely, it, it, it it's player evaluation. You have to get the player evaluation right. Once you evaluate the player, then you can determine whether you want to allocate resources to that player. I think Vance is what you want as a tight end. I mean, he has the ability to vertically stretch the field in the seams and outside the numbers. He's a disinterested blocker. That's probably being nice, but... I mean, when you add him, he's a dynamic playmaker. I mean, we all saw what he did in uh, last year, and there's not too many tight ends that can do that at the position. So I think he's the type of tight end that you want. I mean, the, in an ideal world, he would be a better inline blocker, but you know, I'm not going to knock him too much for that. I think Vance is what you need, provided he can stay healthy.
3: I don't know. I just don't know if what he brings to the team is worth that much money especially in a year where they need the cap space. And I know that a lot of it depends on Bud Dupree and we're going to talk about that, but ultimately Vance McDonald is known for the stiff arm heard around the world against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night football in 2018. We remember that, but ultimately other than that, I just don't know if what he brings to the team is worth the amount of money, which I just said. So, I guess when I think about what, what could the, what do the Steelers or should the Steelers think about the tight end position is you need a blocker, but I'd love to see them get a little bit more athletic at tight end. And I feel like that can happen in the NFL draft. There's a lot of, maybe not in this draft class, tight ends not that great. Um, but, you know, you think about like an Eric Ebron type, and I'm not, I'm not, I know, I know Eric Ebron, I'm not talking about him specifically, Eric Ebron type. And that's someone that can is a little bit more of a receiving threat than it is a blocking. I know that's not the Steelers' mo. When was the last time they had a tight end that would fall into that category? Eric Green, all the yeah. way back in the '90s. I mean, is yeah. that where we'd have to go to think about an, a really athletic pass catching tight end?
1: Because Heath Miller wasn't that guy. Yeah. No. I mean he was very good, but he, he's definitely not that guy. Let me give you let me give you some tight end names just really briefly. I'm I'm looking at over to cap.com and I've sorted the list based on average per year. It's just APY when it comes to the tight end position. And number one in APY is Jimmy Graham. Is Vance better than Jimmy Graham?
3: Well, i guess it depends like jimmy graham's not blocking anyone and if you labeled vance mcdonald as disinterested then you turn to who's a better pass catcher and jimmy graham hasn't been the same since his patellar injury of that two years ago where he jacked up his knee i think it was in seattle um i'm not i'm not sure at this stage if jimmy graham is that much better than vance mcdonald jimmy graham's gonna cost too much money anyways
1: just give me your, just give me your gut. Just, just, I'm trying to see where you're gonna slot Vance and and what that looks like contractually. I don't so, think
3: he's he would not make what Jimmy Graham is gonna make.
1: So he's not as good as Jimmy Graham. So you're saying Jimmy's better? Yep. Right. Travis Kelsey is better. Yeah. Jordan Reed from the Skins.
3: Oh my, he's never healthy. So I would say Vance is better than Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed's got concussion issues. He's never or hamstring concussion, you name it. He's never on the field.
1: You Kyle talk about, Rudolph?
3: How about Kyle Rudolph? Oh, he's Rudolph is better than Vance McDonald. Greg Olson? I'd still take Olson over McDonald. Delaney Walker? Man, he had a good season. They're pretty comparable, I think.
1: So, Zach Ertz?
3: Ertz, Ertz will make more.
1: Okay, so I'm going through these numbers. So some of the numbers after Ertz are Trey Burton, Jared Cook, Darren Waller, Tyler Higbee, Jack Doyle, uh, Cameron I would put him in
3: that category if you're tearing them down. Uh, he would be like a, t- a low tier two tight end, okay. in my
1: opinion. The interesting name that I see on this list, who I really like as a player and who's younger than Vance McDonald's, he's more expensive than Vance. Uh, mm-hmm. Vance's average per year in terms of his contract is 6.5 million. I really like Tyler Higby from the Rams. If the Steelers could identify a player similar to Higby, uh, you know, that would be great. But I don't think Vance. So, so so what I'm saying, or I think what we've concluded in just looking at it is Vance might not be worth the same as those other tight ends. That his average per year at 6.5 is kind of right there. Because underneath him, you got Tyler Croft, you got CJ uh Uzoma nick boyle and interestingly enough you got jesse james vernon davis tj hawkerson red ellison so he's kind of a middle of the road tight end but it looks like middle of the road tight end still costs about 6.5 to 6 million dollars you know on average
3: Well, and the thing is, and this is something that Ian mentioned on Friday is that a lot of times if you sign a free agent, you're going to be able to, well, you do what they did with Dante Moncrief. You do what they did with Steven Nelson, that you pay him about $2 million in the first year, and then you move more money to the back end and and it saves you in cap space. So if they were to bring someone in, then they could always try to manage and manipulate that contract accordingly. Um, So let's, let's get down to brass tacks here. What do you predict will happen for the Steelers at the tight end position this off season.
1: I have recommended that they let Bud Dupree walk. I'm kind of giving it up. If you haven't heard the show, We're
3: done, they'll get into Bud Dupree. We're talking no, about him next. No, no,
1: no. But I think it's cycles now, okay. right? Got it. Um, I, but I, but I think they're going to, to <clears> give, uh, they're going to tag, Bud Dupree, I believe. So I think that means that you won't have, that you will have to cut Vance McDonald to help get, so I think they will probably try to re-sign Nick Vanette and draft another tight end. So you'll have a second-year player, a rookie, and you'll have Nick Vanette as your tight ends, which will leave the Steelers with probably the worst tight end group <laughs> in football.
3: Well, they probably were close to that in 2019, even with Vance McDonald yes. on the roster. Yes, so so
1: I, it'll be even worse, I think. I think, in 2020.
3: I mean, I, I'm, I remember when the Steelers traded for Vance McDonald, the first reaction of the fan base was who no one right. knew who he was. I reached out to then editor of Niners nation and said to his name, David Fuoch. We call him Fuchs. I said, Fooch, can you tell me something about this Vance McDonald guy? He said, I hope you don't like tight ends. that can catch the guy. Can't catch a cold. He said, he's had horrible <laughs> hands ever since <laughs> they drafted him. They, he said they drafted him too high. He was out of rice. I, I believe uh, he said, just, uh, he goes, I hope you don't have high expectations. And the first year he was hurt so much. He had a good 2017, especially capped off by that playoff game against Jacksonville, where he really went off and kind of showed some promise with Ben Roethlisberger 2018 was meh. And then 2019 was he never got the ball thrown to him. No one showed more frustration than Vance McDonald on, on the field. Um, and so if I were to put my prediction out there, I, I think they let Vance McDonald walk test free agency He's going to go somewhere. Someone will sign him because of that stiff arm, probably. And ultimately, I think the Steelers will maybe re-sign Vinette. They might look for a cheap option in free agency. I said this before on another show. It might have been the Steelers preview. Give me a Matt Spath. Give me a Matt Spath that is known for blocking. He's not going to cost a lot of money because he's not a pass catcher. Give me a Matt Spath. And then if you could, if you could get the that's awesome. If not, you try to draft someone that's a little bit more athletic. And I keep coming back to the fact that even though Ben Roethlisberger, we're all hoping and praying that he comes back healthy in 2020, are they going to throw to the tight end? That's a question you have to ask because why would you spend millions upon millions of dollars if you're not going to utilize them in the passing game? It's, it's incredible to
1: me. So that's where I sit currently. The Think about it this separation. way, Jeff. Think about it this way. Over the three years that Vance has been with the Steelers, in 2017 he had 14 receptions, 2018 50 receptions, and last year 38 receptions. That's 102 receptions. I'm just going to round it. I'm just going to round it to be neatly at. That's about 33 receptions, maybe 33 and a half receptions right. yep. uh, over the course of his three seasons. That clearly is not worth. million dollars in cap so the interesting thing about vance is you know i may want to you know take back my earlier statement is that his production in and of itself may not warrant the pay so he might just be a cap casualty because he doesn't perform
3: yeah well, and, and that lack of performance is not necessarily all his fault. Like we mentioned, they just didn't utilize the tight end this year. So we'll see how that pans out. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discussion as the offseason approaches. But that was a burning question for me after listening to that show on Friday. I, I do have a couple of super chats to get to here. Isaac, longtime listener and viewer of the show, puts $5. And he said, Lance, that's a normal reaction. And Cali is to slap first and ask questions later. He gets you, Lance. So $5. Thank you, Isaac, for the donation. We appreciate it. Um, And then we have Kyle Smith. Thank you for your
1: service, Isaac, and thank you for your
3: service. Absolutely, yes. Kyle Smith also puts $5, and he said, here's a donation just because life is beautiful. Amen, Kyle. Thank you. Appreciate that.
1: Jeff, let me read the the comment from Solar Verse 6. I think this is interesting, Uh, and it speaks to the body language uh, that Vance often showed. Um, I was at the Miami game this year behind the Steelers bench. And if looks could kill the way Vance looked at Mason after every drive, I think Vance wanted to hit Rudolph with his own helmet. (laughs)
3: Like I said, he was the, I know people were frustrated with him with the quarterback situation in general, but he was the one, maybe second only to. Deontay Johnson showed some frustration too. There were times where he was open, double moves, and he's expecting the quarterback to look up and the quarterback's checking it down on the in the flat, and he's his arms are going up and he's ticked off. So there were some frustrations, absolutely. But
1: Yeah, and, and there were some frustrations, I think, with Vance in terms of pass protection. Uh, he definitely let some quarterbacks get hit by letting some free runs on blitzes. Like, look, man, hit this guy. He's an idiot anyway. He's not going to see me on a read, so just mm-hmm. ring his bell
3: yeah I mean listen to what we're saying you know we're talking about 33 perceptions a year we're talking about what you what did you call him as a blocker Disinterested and disinterested as a blocker last time I checked Vance McDonald is not the Jimmy Graham type of tight end that's never going to line up in line is is going to be more of a receiver he's never been that guy. why would you pay him seven and a half million dollars?
1: So, yeah, I so can't think of a Jeff, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can get 33 receptions from a rookie. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, get, you can get inconsistent blocking and 33 receptions from a rookie. Actually, you, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you could, you can definitely do that. Um, you know, especially, and, and he got the 38 receptions this year on 55 targets. So it's not like, you know, his catch percentage was like 90% or something. I mean, he only had 273 yards receiving um, 7.2 yards per reception. I mean, you can get that production in the draft. I, I think, and I think that would definitely be the more, more prudent route for the Steelers.
3: I agree. But like you said earlier in the show, what the Steelers do with Vance McDonald and, or any other potential free agent that they have on their roster currently depends on Mr. Alvin, bud and we call him the stud after 2019 dupree now you talked at length about this and not only with ian on friday but you did the steelers burning question on saturday another good show check it out if you haven't yet about why the steelers should let dupree walk give us a quick you already mentioned it in the show earlier but give us a quick some summation of your thoughts on why they should let him walk
1: the reason, I, the conclusion I've come to when you look at some of the players that I think they're going to have to cut to create the space, and that was Mark Barron. We just talked about Vance McDonald, Chickalow, Foster, Barry, McCullers, and Tyson Alulu that given the fact that uh, Alvin Bud Dupree really only performed in the last year, his fifth season, that his production doesn't warrant what you have to do to the roster to create the space to keep him. If he were producing like a TJ Watt, it would be a no-brainer. So I don't want to have any level, I don't want this decision to be hard. I want it to be easy. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna gut my roster to a degree, I want it to be a no-brainer. I want it to be easy. I want it to just be it. Yeah, absolutely it's a slam dunk. I just don't think he's produced enough over the course of his five years that it warrants cut I know six to seven players to create the cap space. I think you don't offer him the tag. You let him walk, and it gives you some money to keep B.J. Finney. It gives you money to to keep Filer, and it gives you money to go after a couple of free agents to bolster your offense. So I think from a total roster perspective, I, I think this defense will still be okay if they don't have Dupree, and, and I think it could take a step back a little bit to give the Steelers some money to be more flexible in terms of free agency.
3: I You had asked me via text message that you wanted my opinion on Dupree, and, well, and I've been very vocal about how I have believed that the Steelers were going to franchise tag Dupree and that he would be back in one way or another in 2020. I still believe that is what's going to happen, but the more I think about it, and the more I listen to both you and Ian on Friday and then you again on Saturday, the more I'm warming up to the possibility that the Steelers say, you know what, this just isn't the year for us to use this franchise tag to allocate almost $16 million to one player. And maybe they do let them walk. And maybe they say, hey, we're going to follow the lead of, I hate to say this, but like the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots, that team up north. They are not going to overpay for players. They will let players walk and they have a trust that they have the next guy ready behind them. So you look at um, Zadarius Smith, who was the former Baltimore Raven, who, which ironically was a pass rusher opposite of Bud Dupree at Kentucky together. They came into the draft together. He gets a huge payday in Green Bay this past off season. And what happens? Matthew Judon steps up and he just, they don't miss a beat. And so my question is, Lance, before I, we talk about numbers and you kind of outline that well, do the Steelers have that somewhere on their roster, that next guy that could come in and say, you know what, TJ Watt's really good. He's really good. He's only going to get better. He's going to get a monster flipping contract in a couple of years. Cam Hayward's really good, and I'm going to be playing right alongside him. Do they have a pass rusher that can win? In that situation on the roster right now,
1: I think they do, but unfortunately for them, that particular player who is very expensive does not stay healthy, and that's Stefan Tuit. So, I think if you take Bud Dupree out of your lineup, but you get a healthy Stefan it, you know, maybe you put Ola in there, maybe you draft a position, and maybe with the cap savings that you get from not offering him the tag, you can go out in free agency and get someone similar to a Clark Hagen's, like a Clark Higgins type, a complimentary guy. Clark um, But a lot of that will hinge on if it can stay healthy. Because imagine what this defense would have been with Stephon Tuitt.
3: No, you're right. How you dare know? you not say she's so, our skipper, by the way? How dare you? not say two-star skipper when talking about Maybe it's 2 our skipper. <laughs> and
1: remember I used to always say the phrase, remember I used to always say the phrase that young guys have to become the guys? Yeah. Well, you know, this is a case where they're going to have to identify young guys on the roster. And that's one thing that Ian mentioned is that and a lot of times, you know, fans like us believe that your your improvements come from outside of your roster. You bring it in players, so on and so forth. But a lot of times it comes from within your roster and your draft. It's about the jump that players make. I mean, look, look at last year. Tupree had never gotten more than six and a half sacks. Obviously, there was a level of improvement. Maybe he was motivated by being in his contract year, but he jumped from six and a half sacks to the first time breaking double digits. Eleven and a half sacks. I mean, Jeff. We were joking. I mean, before this year, his name was Dud Dupree. I mean, he almost beat up somebody you knew, or 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 writer. He, <laughs> he to, threatened he him. Beat he, he did
3: not. He threatened him.
1: <laughs> he, he told he him to come to. He, to
3: he told him. This is kind of a sidebar. He told him to go to the Southside facility so he could show him what's up. So when you threaten somebody, why would you threaten them to come down to see you? Like, why would I go see Bud Dupree, an athletic freak in the National Football League, for me to get my butt whooped? Like That doesn't make any sense. You say you're going to come find me. That strikes fear. I'm not driving to the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex to get my butt whooped. That doesn't make any sense. But he did threaten one of our – it wasn't me, one of our writers who's no longer on the staff. But uh, it was funny. It
1: was really yeah, funny. That's more than a three-piece and a biscuit. That's, that's a whole <laughs> bucket of the chicken. That's a bucket of chicken, some biscuits, mashed potatoes, gravy, some corn, coleslaw, and maybe some dessert.
3: But you know something that Brad Jewett, I'll put this uh, on the screen for everyone to see. He says, keep Bud and Watt together for the next six years. You all talked about this on Friday. Do you really want to allocate that much money to two players? Because how much did Ian suggest that that could potentially cost the Steelers? Over $40 million in cap space. Think about that. $40 million for two players. I'm fine paying Watt. I don't want TJ J. Watt to go anywhere. Yeah, that's Brink's truck money. But if Dupree, if it's okay, we got, we're got we going to have to pay TJ Watt, got, Bud Dupree, see you later, Bud. Good luck. We'll get a comp pick for you. That's another thing, too. A lot of these teams like Baltimore and New England, they just break in compensatory draft picks, which can now – I mean, you're talking third-round picks. You're talking about picks that can be traded now. You know, the, the Steelers are going to get some of those potentially with players like B.J. Finney setting to leave, potentially Bud Dupree if they let him hit free agency, Javon Hargrave, if, if, if he's gone, which we both assume that he probably will be. These are all going to be comp picks depending on who they bring in. Obviously, Dave Schofield, if he's in the live chat, he's probably already screaming at me because it's an equation. It's free agents out versus free agents in. Money, money here, money there. Playing time there, play, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but, you know, we had a comment. Someone said when when you were like, okay, Stephon Tua can be that guy. And I got it. I understood what you're saying. You're saying that Stefan Tua can basically cause enough commotion from the inside that is going to free up someone on the outside. But, again, just to simplify it, do you think that Ola Denier or Tuzar Skipper or maybe Anthony Ciccolo, if they keep him around, are capable of winning enough times to make the loss of a Bud Dupree not as bad?
1: No, I don't. I mean, I don't. I, I, I mean – It is 11 and a half sacks and he was a terror on the edge in the run game. No, the run game is where they would miss him. I think the most, you know, you know, there will be some drop off, but hopefully if you add to it and maybe you get three or four sacks from other guys, maybe let's say you get six sacks from a couple of guys. Um, I mean, there you go. If two can get eight, you get six there, you get 14. I mean, so, you know, you have to mix and match it. I mean, you're going to lose guys, but, You know when Ian really illuminated the point of you know forty million plus at the outside linebacker position. I mean that's just not going to happen. I mean presumably the cap will be about two ten. You know maybe when Watt is due, you know even if it's two fifteen, say say it's two twenty five. I mean you're not going to allocate forty million plus to two positions when you have a salary cap at two hundred and fifteen million. That's just too much. I mean your defense will cost you. You know, $125 million, $130 million. I mean, you're just not going to do that. Um, You know, of course, they may get some relief to that if you look in the crystal ball with Ben Roethlisberger potentially not being there at the time in which they would offer T.J. Watt to deal. I mean, you could get some relief in that way. But still, I don't know if you want to allocate that much money to the outside linebacker position. I mean, the guy just got double-digit sacks in his fifth season. I mean, T.J. Watt has more sacks in three seasons than he has in five sacks. One's averaging six and a half, one and a half. And I think that's another thing that's difficult for Bud Dupree is when you juxtapose it against T.J. Watt, you go, eh, I don't know. I don't know if we should do this for this player. Has he warranted it from a production standpoint? and for the pain that it's going to cause our roster if we choose to do it.
3: Yeah. To me, a lot of people in the live chat right now are talking about whether someone like Ola Adini or Tuzar Skipper could have double-digit sacks. Let me let me make something very clear, and this is just my opinion, and that is that if, if Bud Dupree were to, be, to walk, and the Steelers say we're not going to be able to work anything out, I'm not expecting double-digit sacks from the next guy. If they were to get – the Bud Dupree special six and a half to seven, I'd be happy. I would say, Hey, if we have one guy on one side getting 14 and a half and we have another guy on the other getting seven and a half, that's enough of a force that it's going to cause defenses to have to be concerned about that guy. And then you throw into it and you, all of a sudden your defense is a little bit more complete and you've kind of absorbed that blow but that's one of the things that we have to talk about is that the defense is so good. And I know a lot of people want to keep it together, but the beauty of the salary cap. And I say that for a reason, because the beauty of the salary cap is to even the playing field amongst 32 NFL teams. And so you can't keep everyone together, like in 1970s with the Steelers where they just had guys like Mel Blunt forever. You know, if you put the salary cap back in that era that they would not be even close to the same team. And I'm not saying they wouldn't have been successful, but they wouldn't have had the continuity uh, across their roster. And so these are tough decisions, really, really, really tough decisions. But it, it's one of those things where if Bud Dupree does go, I'm not expecting the next person, whether it's a rookie, whether it's Ola Denye, who's our skipper, Anthony Ciccolo, if he stays, I'm not expecting him to put up 11 and a half sacks. But I do expect them to be able to win enough that they are a threat. That's key. All right, let's move on a little bit here and talk about another defensive
1: player. Did you want to say something else before we go? One last point. Go. You know what the difference in sacks was between last year and two years ago? In terms of total two.
3: team sacks?
1: Oh, you total me- team sacks. <laughs> you just have a two. It was, was, was two. They got fifty two sacks in a year in which Bud Dupree had five and a half sacks. The next year they had fifty four. You know why they had 54 sacks? T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt yeah. and Cam Hayward continued to play at an outstanding all-pro level. I mean, that that's why. So, you know, even when Bud Dupree was getting five and a half sacks, they had 52. So, yeah. there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, let, let's talk about another defender
3: that has been causing a lot of buzz on social media, especially on Twitter. Steelers Twitter is is all sorts of crazy right now in terms of you know, who they want and who they think they should look at in the draft, positions of need. The one thing, and Dave Schofield talked about this in his Steelers Stat StatGeek uh, episode, they always lo- love to try and suggest that players should play out of position. We heard it with Ryan Chazier early in his career. Ryan Chazier should be a safety. Uh, okay, that doesn't make any sense, but that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. And then we heard it with other people. Now we're hearing that with with none other than Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds. Some people are saying that Terrell Edmonds possibly, could they be do, pulling a Mark Barron with Terrell Edmonds and moving him to maybe inside linebacker? Lance, your thoughts? Is this crazy talk or does this actually have some uh, some legs, so to speak?
1: I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And the reason why I don't think it is is because at times last year, we saw Mike Hilton play a deep safety role in that defense. Now, assuming that Mike Hilton um, is tendered and he comes back on on a restricted free agent tender there, there, there's a format there. You can align the defense in, in such a way where Terrell Edmonds can drop in to be that dime linebacker and Mike Hilton can play deep. Um, along with Cam Sutton there still. So I could see it. I could see it where uh, if there was a case where they didn't have Mark Barron, that he could play some of those snaps inside. But I think that would only happen if they don't have Barron. But I think that he tackles well enough and he's athletically inside And would give them outstanding athleticism in the middle of the field with Devin Bush. I mean, he doesn't get interceptions as it is. So, you know, you might as well put him inside. And uh, I mean, you're kind of light there, but he does, you know, inside the athleticism with Bush and Edmonds on the inside would be fantastic.
3: I think that if they can find a safety, whether it's via the draft, free agency, or maybe it's someone on their roster like Marcus Allen that might have just taken some time to develop. Marcus Allen actually screams of a of a guy that can play down in the box in certain sub packages. He's a people, thumper. Yeah, he is. He's a downhill hitter. That's all. He, that's basically his MO. Now, for me, though, when I hear this, I think people are immediately thinking that, for some reason, Terrell Edmonds is going to be standing next to Devin Bush, play in and play out. No, that's never going to happen. But at the safety position, like Lance said, and the Steelers did this a lot in 2019 defensively, They moved a third safety down into the box to play against the run and they put an extra safety back. So believe it or not, a lot of times Cam Kelly came onto the field and they moved him around and they moved other safeties around. I could see Edmonds being that safety that goes down into the box in certain sub packages, which wasn't always dime. Sometimes they ran some unique nickel packages and they moved someone they could move someone like Edmonds down, but you have to have someone that can take his spot in the back end. If that's Mike Hilton, if that's Cam Sutton, if that's Marcus Allen, if that's Jordan Dangerfield, I don't know right now. But Terrell Edmonds, if he has the intelligence, which I think he does, if he has the athleticism, which I think he does, then I think that he would be a good fit because he's a bigger safety. People are saying that he can't do it. Like you were seeing in the live chat. I've seen it on Twitter a bunch. If he's shown a struggle with anything, correct me if I'm wrong, Lance. You're more of a defensive guy than I am. It is that he struggles in coverage.
1: Yes. Yes. He's, at times he's a <laughs> yes. At times he's a tick slow when it comes to awareness. Think of the play where he gets beat in the corner of the end zone against Arizona, where he just reacts late. I mean, yeah. he sees the play in front of him. He just reacts late and doesn't get there. I think fans in the live chat and listening to the program think of Morgan Burnett. Think of the role that Morgan Burnett played, particularly late in the season, um, particularly against like the New Orleans game where he was in the box and he was that box safety when they went to dime and they went to nickel. I believe mostly dime. But think yeah. of Morgan Burnett where he could kind of play that Morgan Burnett role in the box next to an inside linebacker. That give you two guys in inside ends to cover multiple tight ends and could potentially run with slot players. I think it gives the Steelers a level of versatility. I like it. I don't think, like you said, Jeff, that wouldn't be his primary position, but I think in sub-packages and certain packages and certain things, he could slot into that inside linebacker position in a dime or a nickel.
3: And if he can do that, and if the Steelers are confident in his ability to do that, I can see the writing on the wall that Mark Barron is gone, and that's someone that you had – written down as someone that was going to be a cap casualty. But I think that would kind of be like the the last straw based on the fact that if Terrell Edmonds can come down and be the athletic person inside the box that we want to cover certain players and or to stop the run, Vince Williams is going to be an option. And, And Vince Williams has also proven that he can play alongside a really athletic and fast inside linebacker. He did it with Brian Chazier. I feel like he could do it with Devin Bush as well. He's Larry Foote. He's a Larry Foote guy. Right. But Larry Foote needs a James Ferrier. Exactly. And so I think they have that with Devin Bush. So if, if Terrell Edmonds can be that guy that can slide down and they have the personnel behind him, I don't think that there's a need for Mark Barron to come back. You agree?
1: Yes. I, I, I do. I'm kind of, you, you hear, I'm kind of iffy with it. The <laughs> thing is depth. I think the thing is depth. When you come to depth, when it comes to the inside linebacker because interestingly enough, they started playing um, a one-five-five, where they were playing five linebackers on the field at once last year. They were doing some pretty unique stuff on defense, where you know they—I I mean, I—I had, I hadn't seen that, in I, I think ever where they you had, saw one the horses.
3: They had the horses to run for once.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I think, but again. You know, with Baron, a lot of this still hinges on Bud Dupree. You know, and what they're going to do with Bud Dupree. If you if they release Bud Dupree, I think that will cascade down, and I think you will see some of the things that we're describing with Edmonds being a box player somewhat.
3: It'll be interesting. I, I really look forward to seeing how the Steelers manipulate the defense this year. It all starts with the salary cap and dealing with that type of stuff. In um, Edmonds. Will play a role in that, not so much from a salary cap standpoint, but like you said, the trickle down effect, how they plan on using players like him in his going into his third season and, and how they value him and how they view him in terms of versatility. So that'll be fun to watch.
1: Let me tell you what I'm most interested to see with this defense next year. A couple of things three things. One, I'm interested to see if Tuit can stay healthy and the impact of Tuit, a healthy Tuit, over the course of the season on his defense. Two, I'm interested to see the progression of Devin Bush just to see what he looks like in year two, when he starts playing fast, when he stops thinking so much and three, I want to see what they do with Mika Fitzpatrick because Mika Fitzpatrick this year was primarily just a free safety. He played a lot of deep safety. He dealt with that. And Dave talked about it in the no fly zone episode that you guys got to check out. He was very instrumental. Him and Nelson were very instrumental, in eliminating deep shots against the Steelers. I mean, the deep shots essentially just went away. Now, maybe Minka in that role to really eliminate the chunk plays, which if they do that, that is smart. I mean, eliminating chunk plays in the passing game, that alone, you're going to be a top 10 defense in the National Football League if you can do that consistently. But it's going to be interesting to see if they move him around and do some different things with him Uh, and put him in different spots in different locations. I'm interested to see what they do with Minka as his role expands in the defense. Well, to your second point, I I think personally that
3: fans got to see a little bit of a glimpse of Devin Bush not thinking so much by the end of the season. I I saw him read and react a lot more than early on and that he's a rookie it happens it takes time. um and if, if he did that in his first season his second season is only going to be accelerated and third I think mega Fitzpatrick is like that brand new toy that they still haven't even figured out all the different things they can do with it you know you're like holy cow like the the the, the I am gonna say that he's the he could be the best playmaker the Steelers have had on defense since Troy Polamalu you think about what they did with Troy in terms of all the places they put him, he was an instinctive player. He was an intelligent player. He did his film study at Alabama. They called him Nick Saban's son. Yeah, because he was always in the room in the, it, he was always around Saban. he was picking his brain. They said that the, there were co- comparisons to how Nick Saban approached the game and make a Fitzpatrick. So, Hey, you might not like Alabama, but you got to respect Nick Saban for what he's done. I mean, the one so thing about
1: last thing I want to say about Minka Fitzpatrick is he made a lot of tremendous plays last year, the scooping scores, all that different stuff. But I think one of the best plays he made last year was the open field tackle that he made against Kyler Murray. Um, you know, it, 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 the, re, the recognition that fast, closing that fast, and making the open field tackle against that guy, you know, that that to me... Uh, was one of his most impressive plays in a 2019 campaign.
3: Pick six against the Indianapolis Colts would be up there too. Yes, because absolutely. His closing speed, because I know when that ball left, uh, that was, uh, was the backup quarterback, Cody, is it, was no. Who was the no, player? it's, it's the um,
1: Brian Hoyer. It's not Cody.
3: Yes, when when Brian Hoyer, who's an experienced veteran, when he threw that pass, I guarantee he thought touchdowns touchdown tight end down the seam and then bang out of nowhere. That closing speed, good hands picked it off speed to take it the distance. So, all right, let's, let's move on from the Edmonds and the defensive talk and let's go to a little true or false. Lance is something that we both wanted to do for this episode. It's not going to take long. We're going to say a specific, um, statement. And then we're going to say whether you think that's going to be true in 2020 or false in 2020. Are you ready? Yes. Fire away. And if people in the live chat that are watching live on YouTube, want to join us, if you didn't, (laughs) you can, you got to keep up. You got to keep up. What are you laughing at?
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
3: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
3: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumpaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumpaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, bodywork prohibited by law. 18 plus. terms, and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: He didn't even put a verb in there. That's that's when you – like when somebody <laughs> says Edmonds, and you don't put the is in there, you, you know he really thinks Edmonds is trash.
3: There's no verb at all, no linking verb, nothing. Okay, here we go. True or false time? True or false, Ben Roethlisberger starts at least 12 games. True. Woo. okay. All right, I, mean, I agree. True. I agree because if there's one thing we know about this offensive line, even if they lose Ramon Foster or cut Ramon Foster, is that they do better in pass protection. I think Ben's going to help with that. I think he comes back. I think he plays more in 12 games. Now, this one might be a little bit more challenging. True or false? James Conner stays healthy and plays in at least 12 games. False. Really? Yeah. I'm going to say true. I think he's going to miss time, but I don't think he's going to miss four games of time. I'm going to say that he plays 14 games. I think he misses
1: two. Is CBD oil legal in the NFL?
3: Yeah, man. There's no THC
1: in that stuff. So, yeah, man. If he uses (laughs) CBD oil, uh, maybe. He he, he, he better use uh, the cream and the clear and some CBD oil or something.
3: Uh, He's got to try something. All right. Here we go. This is one that you wanted true or false. The Steelers leading rusher in 2020 is not on the current roster. I'll say that again. The Steelers leading rusher in 2020 is not on the current
1: roster. True or false. I'm going to say true. I think they drafted back. I think they draft a running really? back, but God. but 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 if Ben plays more than twelve games, he's they're not running it that much anyway. So that's true. Uh, I'm gonna go with true. I, I think their leading rusher is not on the roster. I have no faith in James Conner, Hence my previous answer, a false. So I'm gonna go F and T, false and true. I don't,
3: I don't agree with what you said about them drafting a running back. I, I feel like they have. I feel like the stable of running backs that they have in terms of how long they've had them, uh, unless they are unbelievably disappointed with players like Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell Jr. Kareth white is kind of like an addition. You know, they didn't draft him. They picked him up off a practice squad, but when you look at James Connor, he still has one year left. He's dirt cheap for what he's done in terms of he did have one year of, of a lot of production, 2018. Um, If you look at Connor Samuels and Snell, I just don't see how they draft a running back, at least high in the draft. I just don't see it. So for me, I'm going to say that this is false that the Steelers leading rusher. I think it is on the current roster, whether that's Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels, or if it's James Connor, I don't know. Um, But I, I don't think that they draft or pick up a free agent running back. That's just me. All those guys are dash guys. I'm not saying that they aren't. I'm just saying that you know that the Steelers don't like to admit that they were wrong in any any way, shape, or form.
1: That is and true.
3: It is true. <laughs> true or false. And so because of that, if they were to draft a running back this year, let's say in the second round, their first pick of the draft, that would be basically saying a white flag of we were wrong, Benny Snell's not that good, Jalen Samuels isn't what we thought he was, and James Conner is about to be a free agent. Yeah, they're
1: bad at at running back, particularly when you look at the division. I mean, you got Mixon, you got Chubb, and you got Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson. I mean, geez, I mean, they're terrible at running back when you – they got to do something at the running back position. They're good at receivers. Yeah. They're
3: they're good at receivers. (laughs) Cut them all you want in certain positions, but they are good at receivers. All right. You ready for the next one? Yes. True or false, the Steelers will have more than 50 sacks in 2020. True. I got to go with true as well. We we both said false last year before the season and said there's no way they can do it three years in a row, and here they are.
1: I mean, they they get pressure, so. I mean, yeah. TJ stays healthy, and Cam Hayward, they, they get pressure, so true. Okay, next one. The Steelers'
3: offense will have 25 or more turnovers. In 2020, so they're mean turning. They Mid 20 they're yes, they're they're turning the ball over. So the offense is turning it over.
1: Man, that's a lot. How many they have this year? They had. Nah, I, they, I don't know. They turned it over every game this year. I think the, this. <laughs> they did at least 16. Good, <laughs> a, a, a good true <laughs> or false would be: with, Will the streak continue? Uh, I'm gonna well, say we all, false. We already 25 know seems be. a lot. uh so 25 okay. seems like a lot. I'm I'm going to say false. Well, they and I'm going to have... go ahead, and I'm going to say that the streak does end finally in in 2021. Well,
3: 2021, the next this year is 2020.
1: No, well, I'm just, I <laughs> could say 2021 because <laughs> you play games. That's how I keep track of it in my head. But in 2020, I think the turnover streak will be snapped. Okay, and no, false. They'll have less than 25 turnovers. If they have 25 turnovers. They're not going to playoffs. All right. I, I I agree it's false.
3: I don't think they'll have that many. All right. So let's go to the last one. And that is true or false that the Steelers defense will have twenty-five or more takeaways in 2020. True. Really? True.
1: What what I, what number are you thinking?
3: Like what number comes to mind?
1: And I don't know the number that they had this year. I think, I think it'll they be less.
3: Like, I think they had thirty-six.
1: It'll be less than this year. This year was epic. And that's why it was so tragic that they didn't make the playoffs, that you had a team that had the most turnovers in the league and 54 sacks, and they still did not make the playoffs, which just means they had some of the worst quarterback play, you know, in the decade. Uh, Yes, I, I think they have over 25. Turnovers as a defense. I think Minka gets balled. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They have ball hawks back there now. And, and TJ punches guys in the uh lower regions. And uh yeah, absolutely. They're gonna have 25 plus turnovers.
3: Punches them in the Richard Gummies. Yes, um, Richard <laughs> gummies. I'm gonna go with 30, so I'm gonna say true. The funny thing is, you bring up about the playoffs and you bring up about the sacks and you bring up about the takeaways. You know what wasn't very good? their ratio they're over under their plus minus they yeah they did have a lot of takeaways but their turnovers did
1: not counteract as much as we thought they turned it over every game (laughs) exactly i mean they had one they spotted you one let me just give you one turnover and typically it wasn't just one it was two to three
3: yeah
1: so uh all right yes yes Okay, so we're
3: we're wrapping things up here. Can I ask a
1: true or false, a freestyle true or false?
3: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Duck will never play another game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He would never start another game for the Pittsburgh Steelers, true or false?
3: I think it's true that he's not going to start another game. I'm going to say, go ahead and answer it, because I have a follow-up to that.
1: I'm going to say true, even though I have my fatigue hat on and all that stuff. You've been wearing that a lot. Yeah, no, he'll never play. He'll never start for the Steelers. If he starts for the I mean, you saw that Baltimore game. Jeez, he'll never start for the Steelers.
3: My next question and follow-up to that is, will Devlin Hodges even make, true or false, Devlin Hodges doesn't even make the Steelers
1: roster in 2020? True. You don't even think, do you think like Paxton Lynch? Yes, I think yes. Devlin Hodges will not make that. His performance over the last stretch was awful. Um, it was about as pedestrian as Jimmy Garofalo's. Um, unfortunately. Well, but, you know, he's in a Super Bowl, though, because they ran for 5 million yards and killed Aaron Rodgers. But, yes, Duck was terrible. Uh, I don't think his performance – I mean, I, no, true. I think he gets cut.
3: That The Duck Dynasty era will, I think, in my opinion, will forever be remembered by Steeler fans. But I can't think of another situation or a quarterback that came in. I mean, people might say the Tommy Gunn, Tommy Maddox, the Tommy Gunn era. He played better than Duck. But he played, that was more than one year, people forget. So take that for what it's worth. Um, Duck was bad. He was bad. I mean, Duck was bad. Mason Rudolph was bad, too. Okay, last thing, Lance. I want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl. You kind of brought up the 49er game, which I thought was bad. Just I, It wasn't even interesting it was, to watch. It was good it was, in my house, I mean. Well, I bet your wife yes. was, yes, as a 49er, so I was very happy. But it, to me, I was just like, yeah, you know, th- that wasn't a game. At least in the Kansas City game, that the Chiefs were trailing at one point. Down, I think down 17 nothing. What are your thoughts on Super Bowl 54? Does it got any juice
1: for you? Or is it just kind of like meh? Yeah, it does have some juice. I mean, you know, my wife's a member of the faithful. My daughter's a member of the faithful. I mean, they are diehard Niner fans. So, you know, of course I'm I'm rooting for them. They can join us in, in the clubs, club sace, along with that team up north. Uh yeah, I mean, it's an interesting game. I watched the game last year. They played, I think, week three, and it was the game I think um Jimmy Garaffalo uh towards ACL, I think, in that game, late in that game. That was a very interesting game. Kansas City came out and scored on the first five drives, right? I think it was maybe 35 to seven at one point. And then the Niners flipped the switch. They made some adjustments and they really took it to Kansas City um, in the second half. And they kind of ran out of time. Um I, I right now I'm leaning towards the Niners. And matchups, I, I I lean toward um, teams with the better defense uh, because I think, you know, I mean, they talk about trying to take away possessions from that offense, run the ball, time up. And look, if you look at football enough, you, you, you're you only going to eliminate a couple of possessions by trying to ball control. And you can't ball control an entire game. I mean, if Kansas City was going to get 10 possessions, I mean, you could stop them from, you, you can limit them to eight. Maybe you turn them over, get them to seven. But, you know, with Kansas City, they don't need a ton of possessions. I mean, they'll ring you up with five or six possessions. I mean, we saw what they did against Houston, and you saw what they did against the Titans. They don't need a ton of possessions. I'm going to go with the team with the better defense right now. And, and, and I think um, that's the Niners. And I think the Niners, the way they run the ball, and in the passing game, I think they can get after Kansas City. I think if Kansas City gets down, to the Niners the Niners I think are a team that can maintain and hold that lead. So I, I like the I like the Niners right now. But Patrick Mahomes is a bad boy. I mean he my we're my homies, I mean he's he's doing stuff man that's that's absolutely ridiculous. So we'll see.
3: And there's a couple of things that scare me about the Chiefs. They they they're, they're, they're kind of light defensively up front and that's like if, if you're shoot the 49ers could run all over you. But at the same time, Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times in an NFC Championship game. And I know that they won, and I know they ran all over. They don't trust that guy. They Absolutely, don't trust they that don't. guy. But eventually you're going to have to make a play. Yes. The quarterback's going to have to make a play. And you have to ask yourself, because ultimately any time – okay, think about Super Bowl 40. Ben Roethlisberger was off on that game. Yet he still made a couple plays, whether it was the rushing touchdown – you know where he, he takes it around the left end, still controversial. Seattle fans will tell you he didn't cross the plane; he crossed the plane. He still had the he still had the deep throw where he rolled to his left, stopped at the line of scrimmage, threw deep, I believe, to Heinz Ward to set him up for a touchdown. He made some plays. He it wasn't a good game for Ben, but at the same time, he made some plays. Is Jimmy G going to be able to make some plays
1: when it matters? I think he can. It- they scheme it up so well in San Francisco with that running game. I mean, he's throwing into oceans, not windows. He's throwing into oceans. It, it But it all hinges on the running game. If they get that running game going, mm-hmm. Kansas City will not be able to stop. They, Because they, they create chunk plays and shot plays out of like 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, and they get you in base defense, then they spread you out, and then you're just – the more I'm thinking about it as I talk about it, the better the more complete team is the Niners. The question is what the one you brought up is the difference in the quarterback position enough for Kansas City to win because the gap between Mahomes and Jimmy Garafalo is cavernous. Cuz I tell me if you if you disagree with me. Do you think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL?
3: That's a tough question. Um I think that right now he is probably the most complete and the best. Yes, I would say yes. I mean, people might say like Lamar Jackson's an athletic freak. Mahomes has he's the yeah, he's not Mahomes has the intelligence. He's got the the arm. He's able to stand in the pocket. He can run if he needs to. The thing about this game is that can San Francisco score with Kansas City if Kansas City goes on a roll? They go on a no. roll when he throws no. and he throws and he throws four touchdowns in a quarter. Like he's done this playoffs. Yeah, like you no. know like no. Because you yeah, Kansas City's defense is not as good as San Francisco's, but you know that Patrick Mahomes
1: and that offense can carve you up quick. quick. Here's the thing about Mahomes too. The thing about Mahomes, what what the Niners are gonna have to prevent is those Mahomes plays. Those ridiculous you know, so I watched the Titan game when they beat when the Titans beat him early in the season. There was a play where he was rushed by like three dudes, the pocket collapses, he jumps in the air, slings a ball on target for a 75-yard touchdown, but he threw a missile to the dude first. Just it was a jump pass. It was a jump pass dart. He does ridiculous stuff. If you can survive some of that ridiculous stuff you know, you may be able to win the game. And Kansas City's fast at every skill position. Here's the thing, though. What's interesting about Kansas They don't run the ball anymore. They've just said forget it. Like, they kind of – they try to run it a little. But, I mean, I mean, he's the leading rusher. Mahomes are like 55, 56 yards. So, it's all on his shoulders. Uh, but they don't want to get down against the Niners and, and let that front four start hunting because, woof, well, they but- bring it.
3: You know, the, the, these are two really smart offensive coaches. They both scheme yes. their backs in different ways. Uh, Shanahan, obviously, with the the multifaceted attack. Um, but, you know, I've used Williams, Damian Williams, a lot in fantasy football, daily fantasy. He gets you a ton of points, mainly out of the backfield. He kind of reminds me of an Austin Eckler type from the Chargers where he's not your between-the-tackles guy, but that's not their offense anyways. They're not a bang your head against the wall, two yards in a, in a cloud of dust. This isn't Randy land. If you like offensive schemes and different offensive packages, this is your, I think this is going to be a fun Super Bowl to watch. So
1: yeah, I think it's definitely one in which I, I, I could see above 60 points for sure. We'll we'll be able to talk
3: about this yeah, next week as it comes, but I do want to get your early thoughts. So Lance, anything to add to the show before we call it?
1: No, thank you, Jeff, for a fantastic rundown. Thank you for the program. Keep listening to everybody. You know, we're going to keep giving you content. So uh, stay tuned. Absolutely. And as you always say, why don't you send us off? Tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.
3: Amen, brother. We will see you next Wednesday for another episode of The Standard is the Standard.
2: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?